Oh, what's that? You didn't realize I would just be dropping podcast episodes this week, back-to-back, live interviews. So yesterday, we had Shannon O'Grady. Today, we've got Ben Stewart. Ben is from Stewart Contract Packaging and Contract Filling in Minnesota, and he was kind and gracious enough to drive to the facility in Minneapolis, where I work, Myers Printing, and we did an interview live there. It was really great. Ben has got a, uh, a fun and fascinating story about building and taking over a company in the middle of a cornfield and what does that look like. So you do not want to miss this episode. Hey, just like yesterday, we're excited to be talking about Ubuntu their plastic promises report and the community that we're building there. So go to sustainablepackaging.io, sustainablepackaging.io. They're going to ask you for a code, drop in their packaging 25 so they know you're joining us and you're joining up because of us and you're going to get a newsletter, you're going to be connected to all sorts of solutions, news articles, people, businesses. It is a it is a vibrant community that is only going to keep growing because we're just getting started. They've also dropped their plastic promises report. Uh, you can get a summary of that for free or you can buy it and get 10% off by using packaging 10. So go join up with the movement sustainablepackaging.io. Put in code packaging25 and join people like Ben who are helping to make a difference in the world. Now let's hear from Ben Stewart from Stewart Contract Packaging. All right, Ben, it's another live People of Packaging podcast interview. I'm getting more and more of these. So um, it's exciting because this is actually, um, I think this is my first one out of the, outside the state of Utah. Okay. Well, great. It's an honor to be here. I'm glad to we're able to connect and, and listen to a few of your podcasts. It's really, uh, it's such a niche industry, so it's really fun to see someone that's uh, able to interview so many different people in the industry and really bring some more light. It's kind of like, you know, you think of like the underground construction industry. It's kind of like that where you we all benefit from packaging, but we don't see behind the scenes of what's actually, what makes that come to life. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, I've always been considered an underground construction worker. <laughs> no, that's actually never heard <laughs> that, right? that before. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, that's a great. That's a great analogy. It's just an industry that until you tell somebody about it, they're like, "Oh, I guess I've never thought that everything I interact with involves packaging." Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, so I've got Ben Stewart and. Uh, ben was gracious enough to drive a few hours to meet me here. We're actually on site at the Myers printing location. So safe to say this is the first podcast that's ever been recorded in the history of this company <laughs> on site. Awesome. Which is also really cool. And, and so Ben, why don't you just start off, you know, maybe sharing a little bit about your story. Uh, you, you told me that you spell your last name. There's two ways to spell Stuart, and you spell it the third way. So, That's right. Yes. Um, we could start. We could start with the very basics, and then, um, you know, you've you've had a really interesting and, and inspiring journey up until this point. Uh, so let's maybe dive into a little bit on that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, again, my name is Ben Stewart. Our company is Stewart Contract Packaging. We're in Southern Minnesota. We have we're a food co-packer. We have two locations. Um, we operate out of small town America. So it's. Both of our locations are near uh, 700 
people towns, you know, so it's, it's where I grew up and it's, uh, it, I grew up in a similar business with my dad's company. He had a production business where he made his own products. Um, for, he had his own brand and I, I worked growing up in that. Um, and then when I was in my mid twenties, I had some mentors that kind of came alongside and, you know, advised me to start my own company as Stuart Contract Packaging. And we're three years in now and it's been, it's been a, it's been quite a ride with with COVID and everything, and just you know we've grown a lot, and it's just been a lot of fun. But um, do you want me to just kind of go back to the beginning as far as how yeah, it got I mean, started? As we were kind of talking before the before we hit record on yeah. the magic recording <laughs> box, uh, you know, you were talking about the mentors that were in your life, and I had noticed on on LinkedIn, you know, it says like I got my GED, and then you know there's no college or anything. Right. That's a very non-traditional route to go yeah especially in like rural america um you know to to ascend to a level of like starting your own business and, and being successful in it but especially coming from you know the place that you were i'm sure if we asked your parents you know do you think that 19 year old ben is going to be running a company they'd be they would have been like no we just, <laughs> yeah we just hope that 19 year old ben like makes it home Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, really where my story starts with the business is I I have to kind of go backwards a little bit further for me and just as far as like how I came to a place of um, where we started. But, you know, for me, I like many people, I struggled with addiction in my late teens and early 20s just with alcohol and uh, drinking drugs. I was in and out of jail all the time right out of high school. And, um, you know, for me, I I have a a strong faith background. So I, I, I put my faith in Jesus Christ when I was 21. And I got saved and I slowly started to, you know, God was really working a lot in my life just, and again, I'm not trying to force my faith on anyone, but that's just part of my story and I just don't want to hide that. But uh, for me, I I started going to church and got plugged into some small groups and Bible studies and just uh, my life was just starting to change at such a fast pace and uh, it was a really incredible time and that was about seven years ago now. And um, through some small group and some church um connections that I had, they connected me with a couple other business owners in the church, and uh, one of them is named Dave Twight. Uh, he owns a hardwood lumber company in, in, out of Wisconsin, and um, it's actually kind of funny. He, uh, you know, in, in the book of Proverbs, it says, walk with the wise and you'll become wise, and I've always uh, had an entrepreneurial spirit and just really wanted to start my own company or do something. I was working for my dad at the time, uh, just as a production worker and trying to do sales for him. And uh, I started walking. Dave, he, he walks with a couple older business guys um, every day. So he actually just, they just go on a walk and they talk. And so I would just start off by, yeah, I would just call it Walks with Dave and just ask him questions about what he did and just trying to learn from him. And uh, through that and, and another mentor of mine, they, they kind of highlighted like, hey, you know, I think instead of, you know, I was trying to grow my, my father's company and, and they saw a better vision for me was, you know, maybe I think you should you should buy your own equipment and and start something else. And I think contract packaging seems to be growing. I think you I think you should look at that. So for me, I never would have, you know, a lot of people. Uh, in it's not. I mean, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs in their twenties, but in in the contract packaging space, it's it's an older industry. Right. So it's it's kind of rare. But similar to like packaging, right? It's yeah, exactly. Dominated by people who've been in it for twenty. Oh, exactly. 30 years. It's it's so acid intensive. It's kind of like farming and. Um, but you know, just, it was through just godly counsel and mentors that said, Hey, I think you should do this. And, and that's how I, I, I got the jump into it three years ago. And we bought all of my dad's, uh, equipment and, you know, he was, my dad gave me a good opportunity, but he didn't give me anything. It was, it was all earned. And, you know, we were not profitable right away. We, 
it, you know, we were better than a regular startup would be because we had a couple customers I was able to bring on before we started. But, you know, we had a lot of debt and, you know, starting out with a company that wasn't profitable was a little bit scary. But I knew that it was manageable enough where I, I knew I could make it work. And, you know, we started off with about seven people day one, February 1st, 2019. And it just a lot of ups and downs. But, you know, it was good timing for us. And it just uh, it's been quite a ride. So your dad owned a contract packaging Company. My dad actually owned his own production facility okay. and for his own brand. Got so it. he, in not the right way to do it right now, I would always advise people use a co-packer to make sure. your own brand. But it worked out for him. And, um, you know, just it, there was a better alignment for me. I had, a, I had a bigger vision for the contract packaging side of it. And uh, we just transitioned where I bought his equipment and, and then uh, started my own company and, and rented his buildings from him. Okay, got it. So... There's there's so much there in terms of the you know the the foundation which is we were talking beforehand you know is a, is a common foundation as as a, a devoted Christian who you know I read my Bible every morning mm-hmm. I pray with my wife every day it's it's a big big part of my life for sure yeah um, and and so building upon that foundation was that are these mentors like like your walks with Dave, which, by the way, would be an awesome podcast. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Have you been able to continue to build upon that foundation with these mentors? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think it's, um, you know, that's, I, I kind of, like for me, if for anyone that wants to start off, whether it's an entrepreneur or, you know, even joining a new startup, I think it's, you know, like the, the first point is just starting, and this goes for anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or working for someone is, um, know what your mission is, and as a as a follower of Christ, you know our mission is to glorify God. And uh, even if you're not a believer, there's you know like know what your mission is. If you're going to go work for someone else, if you're just going to make money, that that motivation will eventually run out, and you'll never be able to get someone to follow you or influence them if your mission is solely self-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so just knowing what your what impact you want to make, I think is where I like if you start there. It's, it's going to help you have uh, more ground and framework to, to build your company or what your career on. Um, but yeah, secondly, it's, it's, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that goes down to like mentors and, you know, if you don't have mentors speaking into your life it's, and you're trying to make all the decisions yourself, like that's where I make my worst mistakes is when I isolate myself. And I see other uh, friends that are business owners when, when they've struggled is when they haven't asked for input in their life and, you know, just... L- trying to seek someone that's a few seasons ahead of you Mm -hmm. and trying to learn from, hey, what would you do in this situation? And and that's just been so helpful is this, you know, who you know from your mentors, your your employees is a huge thing. Like if you don't have good people on your team, you can't get much done. And, you know, and and even from customers and networking with this industry, it's so, it's interesting that it it really is referral driven and network driven. Um, If you think of every other online company, it's, it's, like our industry tends to be a little bit more lagging in terms of trying to find the right person to fill the product for you. So right. the more you can build out your network from your customers and working with really quality people and that are aligned with your values and your vision, it's only going to help you to, if you're surrounded with good people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I think Simon Sinek did a good job of documenting, like starting with why and exactly. understanding what, you know, what, what is at the core, what's really motivating you. Um, and then, and then continuing to come back to that is is great advice. And, For sure. You know, I think encouraging 
we have a, a our, our audience tends to be a little bit younger in their career just podcasting in general sure um tends to skew that way of course we've got people from all ages who listen but you know that that advice to somebody a, a packaging student coming out of college who just did their co-op and they're like i see a real big need for this and it's like Man, like if 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 you see a need and then you have that internal motivation to go out and get it, that can be enough sometimes for sure um, to go make it happen. But did you find that that having the work experience, you know, doing production and doing sales, was was advantageous to now running running the business? Because I the reason I ask that is because I think that there's there's this this like. Uh, myth that's out there that's like you know just go out and follow your dreams follow your passions and i'm like <laughs> yeah. well sometimes you got to do the really crappy job oh, like sure. you got to do hard yeah. work yeah i worked in the production plant that. i mean from day one and it's just there's so many things that we overlook and discredit and like just never discredit what it takes to build a good work ethic and understand the foundation and building blocks of whatever business you're in and you know especially for kids coming straight out of college it's just you know that foundational few years right out of college can be so so helpful and a lot of times we discredit that and try to fast forward but they're they're so helpful like just getting those habits down those that discipline down uh building your network out when early on in your career it's not gonna you're, you're not gonna see a payout on it right away but in in long term you'll you'll benefit from that and you know more opportunities will come your way if you focus on that first yeah so let's let's take a quick pivot into contract packaging yeah um so i've dealt with probably hundreds of different contract packages <laughs> sure. not as a brand owner but as a packaging manufacturer yeah and there are pros and cons just like there is in so much mm -hmm. um so first of all let's settle a debate that you and i had on our phone call okay what <laughs> is the difference between a co-packer and a contract manufacturer in your world. In my world. In food. I've heard things, but it doesn't seem to always be the same for, like, <laughs> food. For yeah. Example. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, it, it definitely a different de definition depending on the industry you're talking with. But generally, a contract manufacturer is someone who's actually making a product from scratch, whether that's blending something, um, whether that's, you know, two years ago, hand sanitizer to uh, a food powder, some kind of nutritional supplement, someone that's actually manufacturing something. A uh, contract packager is someone who's taking that finished or that blended product and putting it into final packaging or secondary packaging. And a lot of times in the food industry, and you'll see this a lot in, in personal care as well, where a contract packager is also their manufacturing and packaging. And in sometimes you'll see the food industry where contract manufacturing, they, they specify more towards whether it's extrusion or spray drying or agglomeration, some other kind of food technology. But typically, Manufacturing is, is you're making bulk product. Packaging is you're putting that bulk product into a finished package or secondary packaging. Okay, but so there are contract manufacturers who function in both. Exactly. And and so you are a contract packaging facility, meaning yes. you will take bulk product and from a customer, or you, maybe you'll go procure it yep. on behalf of a customer and put it into the finished that, that's right. That's where we're at right now. And we're, before the end of the, this is November of 2021, we are adding a lot of blending capacity so we can get in uh, vertically integrate more into the supply chain of manufacturing and packaging. Okay. And so what, you know, I'll just give you some time to 
uh, self-promote um, okay. what you're doing in, uh, in, you know, not only, I'm sure, helping out, you know, certain customers, you know, nationwide, but yeah. also providing, you know, good jobs in, in good manufacturing jobs in small town America. I mean, that's not, there's probably, we could, we could probably talk about, you know, staffing and stuff like sure. that that's occurring, but, um, so where is, like, what's your sweet spot right now in terms of what do you guys do really well as a contract packager? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And as an early company, we've we've been in a lot of different industries. You know, when we first started out, we were you know, blending and filling, like CBD was really hot in 2019. Not that it's not anymore, but at, at that time, it was a lot of new products and innovation coming out. So we packaged a lot of CBD lotion, tinctures, different things in that arena. And then um, once COVID hit, we were we had bottling lines, so we could fill hand sanitizer, which, you know, you didn't have to be very smart at that time. If you if you could do that, like you were gonna grow as long mm -hmm. as you were able to execute. So you know, we scaled a lot in the hand sanitizer through COVID. Um, we went from one facility of nine thousand square feet to a second facility of twenty one thousand square feet, and you know, two weeks after moving into that building. Our hand sanitizer contracts were canceled <laughs> completely, so we had to make a big shift after that again. And then we started transitioning more towards food products, uh, specifically our, our first plant, Plant One, which is in Mabel, Minnesota. We do a lot of protein powders, repackaging uh, bulk protein into finished uh, containers and pouches, uh, nutritional and food powders. Our, our plant two, which we have a lot more capacity in that we're, we're looking to grow, that's in Leroy, Minnesota. That At that facility, we have stick pack capabilities uh, for doing single-serve packets of, you know, nutritional powders, kind of like you'd see a crystal light pouch or mm -hmm. any other kind of like liquid IVs in a, in a stick pack. And we're looking to add more stick pack equipment this year. We're adding blending equipment. We just bought a blender last week, and we're going to be adding more powder filling lines in that facility. And we do have one liquid filling line that we we transitioned it from a hand sanitizer line to a food grade liquid supplement line that we're running right now. But we see the, the future for us in the next three years is focusing on powder blending and packaging for nutritional supplements. Okay. And I guess from a packaging standpoint, another thing that I hear mixed reviews on is, well, who owns the, the packaging? Yeah. So I, do you have your own brands that you're co-packing for or do you, do you only work with other brands so we did start our own brand of products um and, and that kind of ties back to our mission as a company our mission is to glorify god and, and establish a transformational workplace and we do that we're able to uh, we we focus internally on our people and how can we provide a better workplace beyond just a really good job but you know how can we provide a culture that helps people spiritually helps people grow financially and we offer uh dave ramsey every friday at, at lunch we, we go through dave ramsey program and you know, different, helping people relationally, and, and our vision for the company is how can we do that even better. Um, so, basically, it, for us, anything that helps us grow our margin overall in production is going to help us accomplish that mission, and it's going to help our co-packing customers as well. Because the more profitable we are as a co as a company, the more we're able to invest in in growth mm -hmm. and better quality, better equipment. Um, so, right now, we we do have one of our own brands that represents less than a percent of what we actually produce. Most of what we do is for other brands. A lot of times uh, we're working with brands where they're buying everything and we're just doing toll. We're just repackaging everything. And, you know, for us, we started with uh, just the principle of operating on no debt. Uh, you know, we, we bought the company with, we inherited some debt when we started with it, but we paid it off and we've really focused on trying to be grow at the speed of cash. And with that, it eliminates a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, for us, we, we are starting to buy more and more ingredients and packaging, but it just really depends on the relationship and the customer and the situation. You know, there's there's only one person that can use your your labels that we buy. So, you know, we have to make sure there's a really good relationship there and the, uh, you know, payment terms align with that. But right. typically we're customers provide anything that's proprietary and we'll provide some materials and the, the tolling services for, for producing the product. Yeah. Yeah. My, my theory has been, well, for, there's a couple things you said, uh, mm-hmm. for they're, they're unrelated, but number one, some of the best advice I got when I first got into sales was uh, from this a, a guy that I used to work with. His name's Chris Dorr. So shout out to Chris Dorr. Okay. <laughs> and I was at a sales training, and someone said, what book would you recommend? What's the best sales book you've ever read? And he said, well, that's easy. It's Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And everyone was like, huh? And, and he said, listen, if you understand money, if you're comfortable talking about money, if you are debt-free personally, mm-hmm. You're not going to be pressuring people to do things. You're not going to be, you know, the the super pushy sales rep. Right. You're going to be comfortable having conversations centered around money, which you're going to have to have. Mm-hmm. And he said, "That's my best. That's my best advice is to get out of debt and and understand to be comfortable talking about money." He's like, "Why we talk about everything else? Why can't we talk about money?" Right. Um, that's and awesome. it was a super fascinating perspective. Oh, for sure. Uh, so that's that's cool um, that you're offering that for for your employees. Um, but going back to the packaging thing, I've always operated around the premise with contract packagers that I want for the people to control what they have an interest in controlling. Meaning, if like if if you have a stick pack machine, you mm-hmm. probably know the type of film that's going to run the best right through that machine, and and potentially have a vendor that you you know you really like working with. Sure. And, and if somebody comes in and says, we wanted to give you this work, but you have to work with this other vendor and this other film, that's probably, a, it's probably not advantageous to set you up for success because you're going to have you know, potentially scrap. It's going to be running slower. And so I've always felt like there's got to be a relationship that can establish the three-way relationship between the packaging supplier, the contract packager, and the brand mm-hmm. and allow all three of those entities like – like the brand will sign off on artwork, for example, but yeah. the the co-packer, uh, you know, at, at the very least has the ability to say, we're going to order this material. I need it here at this day. Who pays for it is, I don't, that was never really much of a concern, either the brand or the co-packer. Mm-hmm. But just opening up the lines of communication around everything. And unfortunately, I think there are some brands and some co-packers who are very guarded, like, no, no, no. We have to order everything. We have to control everything. <laughs> sure. And and that can set up brands for failure and vice versa. When brands demand that they control everything, it sets up their contract manufacturers for failure. So I don't know. Is that a, a theory that you've worked through then? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. And, you know, just from like a manufacturing perspective, anytime, like one of the creators of waste is variation, right? So the more times that you you introduce variation in terms of label suppliers, packaging suppliers, it can create more waste, right? Because there's inconsistencies. However, a lot of times the lazy way to do it for a co-packer is to say, we're putting a policy in place that says we are the only ones that can buy this and you just have to work within our rigid framework. And that's not very flexible and it's not very good for the customer at the end of the day. So for us, we take a very flexible approach. We like to be in those conversations with their packaging supplier on the front end so that 
we can test roll, uh, you know, they can ship us a test roll of film. We can run it on the machine, send the customer samples, make sure that it's the right package, that it's having the right seal properties and everything, and, and that the print rewind is in the direct, uh, the correct direction. That is the worst thing for a, for a co-packer, a brand, and a printer when something is done the, the wrong way and it's there's waste. It's just, you know, like no one wins in that situation. Yep. And that's where we just like to have a direct communication with the printer. We're okay working with different suppliers. There's not one supplier that that's perfect in every situation, and we're very flexible in that way. But we are typically included on all the proof approvals for new projects with new customers. Well, you're speaking the language of one of the – actually, one of the sponsors of the podcast, which is Specrite, which is really like – Having having an understanding, like a deep rooted understanding of every aspect of a spec for mm-hmm. a packaging skew, is super critical. And oh, it's, for sure, it's actually really surprising how many people just rely on like the packaging supplier to keep the specs. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. As a brand owner, as a contract packager, like you need to know a hundred percent what it is that works, so that that I love that you know waste and variance go hand in hand. You start getting this variance in, and it's even even the slightest difference in you know a, a, a barrier property or something right. like that. The slightest little difference can be can cause havoc right. on on production lines. That's For a, sure, that's a great line. Um, so what is it? I asked. I told you that I'd ask you this beforehand. So you have a packaging audience. Yeah, the CEO of a contract packaging company. Um, you know, you're, you're an emerging co-packer, you start getting in all these different customers and you're like, if I, I just wish I could tell the packaging industry, like, I just wish I could wave the magic wand and tell the packaging industry, stop doing this or start doing this. Like, is there a thing or maybe a couple of things that you just would love to communicate out to, I'll say the packaging world. Sure. It's, yeah. It's not everyone in the world. It's not that good of a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's a great question. And obviously with COVID, there's so many issues right now. And if you ask any manufacturer or co-packer, what's your biggest problem? What are they going to say? It's labor. There's labor, not enough production lead times. Orders, lead times on supply chain everything. Yep. So the laundry list of problems goes long. But the biggest problem right now is labor. And I think the thing that I would, if I, if I could change one thing, it would be, and I, there's a lot of manufacturers doing this really well, but production workers are typically the most overlooked area of labor in terms of like how you can serve them you know they're, they're the lowest cost or entry level but they're the people who get the work done mm-hmm. and for us as part of our culture like in our mission as a company is how can we serve our production staff the best because they're the ones doing the work how can we provide a transformational workplace for them where we're investing in them every day we do lean huddles and uh, we try we aren't perfect at this but we're very consistent at talking through our teaching about our values as a company lean manufacturing principles every morning and we try to celebrate any improvement that a t- new team ever makes. We also do learning lunches on Tuesdays where we'll watch like leadership videos, whether it's John Maxwell or it's a lean manufacturing tour, um, really anything that's personal development. And then on Fridays, we do the Dave Ramsey's um, at, at lunch. And I think that's something that, uh, if especially big companies, is, man, you have the opportunity. You have such a ministry that you can serve your workforce. Uh, production workers are often you know, like the, the most overlooked um area of the, of the labor force in my opinion yep. and I think that's something that if you start there and you can drive innovation down to the ground floor and you really treat those people as 
the the biggest waste in lean is wasted employee potential. If you can invest in your people and teach them how to make improvements and get them to believe in themselves, and you'll see the best ideas come from the ground floor. And I think that's that's the that would be my number one. My number two would be just increasing transparency. I think most co-packers and manufacturers, we always want to like shield what we're doing and not let the outside world see. And I think there's there's a principle of protecting proprietary information. But at the same time, there's so much more. I think oftentimes we, we, we try to shield off what we're doing out of like just having a scarcity mindset rather than abundance. And, you know, for me, connecting, being open and transparent with other manufacturers, being willing to network and, you know, work with other co-packers, even if they're in the same industry as me, but like how can I help them in their business? We're probably not competing on the same business. And if we are transparent and work together, we can grow our businesses far more than just trying to collect and, and, and shield everything that we're doing. And I think that's something that we're going to see change a lot in the next 10 mm-hmm. years. You know, you've seen transparency increase in every other industry, and I, I, you're starting to now. And I think that's only going to increase with, you know, online content and, and different collaboration between other co- competitors. Yeah, yeah. I, I love both those points. The, the first one, I somebody... When I first started in sales, somebody told me that for every, it was like $275,000, some number, I think that was the number, that of new business that I brought in, mm-hmm. we could afford to hire a new employee. Amazing. And that became a number that, I, I want to say it was 250 and then it bumped up to 275 but it was right around there. Sure. But that became a number that I would think about like, oh man, we just got a new you know, a new million dollar account, like we can hire four more people. That's incredible. You know, like, and, and not just, and if that's coupled with like a really good culture, you're like, I'm not just providing them with a job. Like I am providing opportunities for right. career advancement. I'm providing them opportunities to learn, you know, to learn leadership, uh, new leadership principles, to learn lean manufacturing principles. And maybe they don't stick around this company for their entire career and that's okay what's the quote it's like um you know somebody asked me what happens if we train our employees and they leave and the, and i responded what happens if we don't and they stay <laughs> yeah that's right you know so it's like right. investing and doing the right thing and even celebrating you know i mean candidly when i uh transitioned here to myers uh my my boss at fortis which is where i was previous derek sims is he's still a great you know mentor and friend of mine he celebrated that for me you know i mean it was tough like he didn't neither one of us really wanted to to part ways but the fact that he was like no i'm excited for you like that's amazing it was it it spoke a lot to you know the culture of fortis um, and and that they could celebrate me getting this opportunity so well and that's amazing if you think about like for any future salesperson or if you're in sales or looking to go into sales if you can draw your motivation of your mission as a, as a salesperson is i'm creating jobs like that's the beauty of why capitalism works and you know i know right now there's so many differences of opinion about that but when capitalism is done the right way and the, with the right motive it can be transformational nothing can impact a community more than a thriving business yeah with the right motive and look the right at mission. bentonville arkansas <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's incredible. That was not even a, a town anyone would think of if it wasn't for what Walmart did. Yeah. And I think that's something for, for you. How much more motivating 
and um, easy was it for you to go into a sales like putting yourself out there on a cold call when you when your purpose wasn't tied to just your commission mm -hmm. it was tied to providing a job for another uh, well person. and and not only that but for me personally um, you know I'm, I'm very involved in the Christian charitable nonprofit work sure. and so I knew that if I got an account from a rep who was not into you know helping people like I'm on a few nonprofit boards so I spent a lot of time in southeastern India and like that's where I put my time yeah that's where you know that's that's where a lot of my treasure is is right. invested in uplifting you know people across not only the US and in my own community but also uh, abroad yeah and so I knew like hey I want to get that person out of there because they're gonna be paying commission to somebody mm -hmm. and if it's me I hope that I have the right value alignment that says, hey, when I get my commission check, you know, somewhere, I mean, there were some years where it was like 20, 25% yeah. was going out to charitable causes, nonprofits and things like that. So that's amazing. And um, that's where, yeah, when, when the, your mission and your why is extending beyond, beyond your own personal gain, that's where, like for me, I, personal gain can keep me motivated for a little while, but after I've hit that mile marker, I'm only going to coast or plateau. I need something deeper than personal gain or selfish reason to keep going and, and keep pushing and book, increasing my business, my book of sales. When I know that I'm providing opportunities for more people and transformational change for more people, that's when it, it allows me to push outside my comfort zone in ways I wouldn't if I was driven solely by selfish purposes. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, Ben, we are, uh, we're, it's, uh, these conversations always go by super quick. I say this <laughs> yeah, almost every time. For sure. Uh, but we're here at the end. So uh, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way for someone to reach out? Yeah, the best way is, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. So it's um, my name, Ben Stewart. Uh, there's two ways to spell Stewart. We're the third way. It's S-T-E-U-A-R-T. I'm very active on LinkedIn. We have a YouTube channel, Stewart.packaging, that we'll be posting a lot of content just about our company, um, how we operate it, our values, our mission. And uh, otherwise, you can look us up online, fillingservices.com. And, you know, if there's any, any new entrepreneur or, or young person just coming out of college or any manufacturer, anyone looking for help, I'm more than willing to connect and, and network and, and see how I can help you. That's amazing. What a great URL, fillingservices.com. I know, right? Well, yeah. Well done. Way to <laughs> yeah, grab that. Thank you. Uh, well, Ben, I'll make sure that all those are linked up in the show notes for, awesome. for this. So if you didn't get a chance to write it down, you can look in the show notes Great. of the episode. But it was awesome. Thanks so much for driving up here and sitting down in person. And uh, let's uh, anyone who wants to come up to Brooklyn Park and tour the Myers facility, you are welcome to do it. And because that's what we're going to go do. Awesome. Looking right when we get to off it. this. So I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks so much. Thanks, Adam. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome.